Welcome to Weddings Unveiled, where I uncover industry truths, share imperative tips to a flawless planning process, and divulge all the behind-the-scenes schematics, logistics, and well-kept secrets you didn't know you needed to know as you navigate your journey from Miss to Mrs. I'm your host, Tambra Moultrie, luxury wedding designer, planner, and CEO of Tambra Moultrie Weddings, located in scenic Southern Utah. I'm not just here for the details. I'm here for you. I can't wait to start planning. This is episode four, Venue Selection. Welcome back. Today, we are talking about venue selection. So one of the biggest mistakes that couples make is they get engaged and the first thing that they do is they start calling around all these venues and asking for quotes and we need to slow our roll just a little bit. So I'm going to give you a few steps that you need to take. We did talk about this a little bit in previous episodes, but I want to tackle it just a little bit today. First off, you need to work on your guest count. You need to have an approximate number and it doesn't have to be set in stone. This is going to change, it's gonna fluctuate. You still haven't sent out your RSVPs and that is perfectly fine. But you do want an estimated guest count for how many people you are going to want to host. And the venue is going to play a huge role in that because not every venue can hold the amount of guests you may want to host, if especially if you're having a large wedding, if you're having a huge destination wedding of say, I'd say between 100 and 200 people, you are really limited uh, in comparison to somebody who may have 50 guests. So you want to go ahead and get that guest list prepared. And I'm talking generally speaking here in this market in Southern Utah. Other markets are going to change drastically, but no matter what market you live in, you will want to work on your guest count prior to going around and getting bids from everybody. And you're gonna wanna book your planner first. So let's dive into why. Number one, the reason that you are going to want to book your planner prior to your venue is because that venue is only focused on booking weddings. That's it. They are not your advocate. And they're not supposed to be. (laughs) They're there to do business. They're there to sell you on a property. That is their job. And that is not a knock on them. That's not saying that they're doing it the wrong way. That is their job. Their job is to sell you on why their property or their actual venue is the best fit for you. And sometimes they oversell or they overpromise and they definitely under deliver. So you want a, a, a vendor, aka your wedding planner on your side who knows these venues, who knows their policies, who knows what you're looking for to help you narrow down your possibilities. So what are some things that you need to consider when you are looking at a venue? Number one, you're going to want to understand the policies and regulations for each venue that you are touring. You want to ask for the fine print to review before you sign. And when seeking clarification on anything that you might be a little bit confused about, you're going to want to make sure that you have responses in writing to refer back to or to back you in the event that something that they say in the future contradicts information that they have already given you. So you want to make sure that you have your bases covered there. The other thing that you're going to want to talk to them about is their max guest capacity. 
say that 10 times fast. <laughs> so you want to know how many people at max will they be able to accommodate if your guest list is over that or could be over that, it's probably not the best fit for you. And you need to consider either cutting your guest list or looking at other venues. What other things are we looking at here? We need to know what the restroom situation is like. My friends, this is a big, and it can be, it can be a big problem. There's nothing worse than, say, having one bathroom when you have 200 people and then everybody is standing in line all night instead of actually enjoying the party, the celebration, and they're missing events. Do you guys want to hear a story? I know you do. I know you want to hear a really great story. So, this is not from one of my weddings, but a wedding of um, another one of our planners on the team. And unfortunately, we had a bridesmaid who just could not wait to go to the bathroom. And so what did she do in her drunken state? She decided to take it into her own hands and go uh, take care of it behind one of the setup uh, sitting areas uh, behind one of the, our beautiful settees. Let's you can't make this stuff up, you guys. Uh, she she gently just said, oh, honey, let's just try and find you a bathroom. We don't want to have a bathroom situation. We don't want anyone uh, popping a squat in the middle of nowhere or in front of everybody else and kind of making that awkward. So let's, uh, let's prevent that and let's be really proficient in researching our bathroom situations it just kind of elevates that experience for your guests and you can make it look really cute. You can make it look very elevated if you do it the right way, but it does cost money to do that. So these are all things that you need to consider when you are looking at actual bathroom facilities. So let's move on to the next thing that we need to talk about. And this is a big one, my friends. Are there any property updates or renovations that are planned which may affect the overall look of the venue or be a nuisance to your event if it's not completed in time? You guys, we're talking about contractors here. Rarely do they ever finish a project on time, right? On the flip side, are there any improvements being advertised to improve the overall experience and ask about those completion dates? Are they going to be put in writing? If not, that's something that you need to consider. You're not going to be able to bank on those renovations if it's something that you are actually looking forward to. My point, never bank on renovations. It's just not going to make you happy. We've had plenty of circumstances or situations with uh, a couple different venues where either renovations or uh, improvements or what they considered improvements to a property were actually more of a nuisance and an eyesore when an actual wedding came on site. So you want to make sure that you are getting clear communication from the venue or the property. And there's a reason that I'm classified classifying these as two different um, categories. And I'm going to jump into that just a little bit later in the episode as to why I'm categorizing them differently. But I want to move on to the next area uh, just for now. Uh, and that's asking questions about quiet hours or Sydney ordinances that are required for your event to take place. Uh, these are laws that are required that uh, venues have to uphold in order to be able to host events. And honestly, you guys, every city has city ordinances in place when it comes to sound. So don't be surprised by 
by you not being able to go until two o'clock in the morning or so, or so on and so forth. There are laws in place for a reason. People have to sleep, but we want to make sure that we know what those are. So we know whether that that policy is something that you are okay with or conducive to your overall vision for your day. Another topic of investigation that you are going to want to tackle during a tour or during your process of looking at different venues is the safety on those grounds. So anyone that is classified as an actual venue, this typically isn't something that you have to worry about. But when it's just a property, say like an Airbnb or something like that, there are huge issues with doing your wedding at properties like this because they're not required to have uh, certain safety guidelines and things in place because they're not a real venue. So safety issue number one, what does the lighting look like on the grounds? So for example, let's say you want to do a sunset ceremony and you want to do this out in the very back of this beautiful property that has a lot of views what does the lighting look like? Is there electrical out there? Are there lights out there? What do the grounds look like? Are there potholes everywhere? Is it level, smooth ground? Do you want to have your reception in this site? Again, all of these are things that you will need to consider. And I'm going to tell you why. Number one, not having light and people walking around, say, in the dark, especially if they've already been drinking, not a wise choice. This probably is not a wise decision to have your wedding take place in this specific area. And on top of that, if there's a bunch of potholes and you want your reception there, that is a definite no-go. Um, simply because you are mis- mixing alcohol with people in heels, you have it's an accident waiting to happen. And it's actually surprising that more properties that offer people to have events on them don't take more of a proactive approach in having those areas or those grounds prepped for larger groups and spaces and they don't take safety into consideration mainly because it just costs them money and they don't have to so they don't care that's really what it comes down to so but again that's on them and it's your choice whether to book there or not but just know that there are going to be problems someone's going to fall someone's going to get hurt that's just what happens it's a safety issue so you want to make sure that you are inspecting those areas and if they tell you that they are going to fix these areas again you need it in writing and then you need to know what the consequence is going to be for them like what is going to happen if they do not follow through on those promises because simply giving it to you in writing they can put stipulations in there. You need to know that you are backed up and you are going to be able to have your event in this space if they decide to change their minds or do something different. So just keep that in mind. Again, this more pertains to uh, like properties that allow you to have events on site, more like Airbnb type properties, not actual venues. Actual venues are going to be Uh, very much proficient in having their grounds be safe and not having a bunch of safety hazards that guests need to potentially run into and that you will have to deal with uh, if there is an accident. We have had issues. uh, I have had uh, a couple different times with uh, not actual venues, but with properties to where we've had to call 911 because of lighting situations and we've had people fall and get contusions on their head. I've had to 
um, be in situations like this. It is not fun. So just choose wisely when you are facing those uh, potential decisions that you want to make for your day. Again, it is for your day, but you need to consider safety. And this is a big problem with, with beautiful properties just out in the middle of nature. You are, you have safety issues. So let's go on to the next topic. And that is tense. So in the case of inclement weather, because we always need to have a backup plan, right? What are you going to do if this particular venue doesn't allow you to have a tent? Or what if there are policies in place that they don't want you to have a tent in certain areas of the property? What areas of the property are you allowed to have tents on? What size tent is going to be appropriate or fit in that space? Because again, if you have 150 people and they say, well, you can put a tent in this area and that tent is only going to be able to be say 40 by 20, that that's not, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not big enough. So you want to have all of that information and know all of that and ask them how often they change their policies. How often are they updating their policies? Are you required to sign new documents that could potentially screw you over uh, if they decide to change their mind on things. So that that can be a problem. So you need to make sure that you are really paying attention and looking at all of the possible scenarios that could go wrong uh, so that you're prepared. And going back to the tent, a lot of people love a beautiful tented wedding. The other thing to consider is Are you going to have, say, whether it's a clear top tent, by the way, you should never have those in the summertime, (laughs) ever, you guys. They work as a greenhouse. You will sweat to death. At least don't have it enclosed. No walls. (laughs) No walls on those tents during the summer, or you will literally um, be baking everybody underneath that tent or inside of it, I guess. So open walls if you do a clear top tent. Make sure you do that. Please, please, please. Uh, The other thing that you're going to want to talk to them about, are there any other events booked at that venue the day before or the day after? Now, some people will take this advice and say, why on earth is that my business? I only have my wedding on this day. Well, I'll tell you, my friends, the problem with that is you need to set up your event and take it down. So what does that look like? Now, I'm going to give you a hypothetical situation to where we have an event for 150 people. You want wood tables brought in. You want a light structure brought in. The florist is draping things from that light structure. You have chandeliers being installed. So let's just take this particular situation. I'm just throwing this out there and we're going to work through the logistics of what it needs to look like for this particular circumstance or design. And again, I just threw those three elements out there. Okay, so we have beautiful wood tables being brought in. Again, they're more bulky, they're heavier, they they take longer to set up. A light structure, it takes time to install. The florist is hanging things from that from that light structure, whether it's greenery or florals or she's doing a faux ceiling. All of these things go into the logistics of your day. So when you are planning logistics and setup, you have a four o'clock ceremony. You, the venue opens at nine o'clock in the morning, you know, for delivery and setup. So you have the rental company showing up 
at 9 a.m. and they need four hours to set the tables, set the chairs, set up the light structure, put everything up. Well, now you're at one o'clock. Now the florist needs to arrive, okay? So she's going to be, if she is doing work on all those wires going above those tables, there's a chance those tables are going to need to be moved and or, or moved around while she's working, okay? So they can't be set yet. Okay, because then you have glass breaking, you're having to move tables around that have a lot of items on it. It's just not smart. This is why planning an installation correctly is so important. And again, you should ask your planner what their strategy looks like on on that. Uh, If they can't give you a clear cut answer, you need to run and book somebody else. So... Let's go back to the florist. So the florist is going to come and she's got, let's say, another three hours of work, which is for something like this for 150 people, that's 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 not very generous. So we're just going to pretend we're throwing out some numbers here. She needs three hours for her setup. Okay. And the rental company was done at one. Now you're pushed until four o'clock. Now the ceremony's starting and you still don't have your tables set. So what is the smart way to do this? Now, in my personal opinion, I would love to schedule the rental company to come out the night before and do all of the installation and setup. If it's bigger, if there's a huge tent, they are definitely going to need to come out the day before. You never, ever, 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 ever. How many evers was that? (laughs) Does anyone want to count and let me know? How many evers was that? You never want to schedule a tent installation the day of your wedding. If your planner does that, again, run and go book somebody else because they don't know what they're doing. You never schedule a tent to be put up the day of the event. Those tents can take anywhere from five to eight hours to to put up. And then you have the lighting and the drapery and everything that goes inside of it. Please don't do that. It has to be set up the day before. You need time for the other rental companies to come in and do installation for all of your tables and your chairs. And then you have your lighting. Again, then you have your drapery and then you have the florist coming in. It is a process. And typically you have about 24 hours of that process leading up to your wedding day. So what happens when you plan ahead and you have that tent set up or you have the rental drop off and set up the night before, then you can schedule your florist to go ahead and come in that morning and do the installation. And then by the time she's done at one o'clock, the event staff can go ahead and start placing decor and getting all those final things done. It works seamlessly when you are practical with how your installation goes. So just things to keep in mind when you are planning for large events, when you're planning for a tent, when you're planning for inclement weather, you have to be able to work around the logistics of that. And then on the flip side, we have takedown. So if the venue has an event the next day, you have to do takedown that night. So if you have takedown at 11 o'clock at night, and then all of a sudden the rental company is saying, oh, well, we're going to have to be there till 3 a.m. We have to charge you more. You need to be able to know that. Whereas what if you book the venue for the next day as well and you want to do like a brunch there or you want to do, you know, something easy, it may save you some logistical headaches, 
but it also just may save you, a, it's going to save you some fees on the rental side. Now, does that counteract the fees of renting the venue for an additional day? No. However, some rental companies may not even be willing to come out that late at night and you need to be able to work with that and just think ahead. So always ask the venue, are there any additional events that are booked either the day before or the day after? And what would it look like for me if I went ahead and I booked, say the night before and then the next day in order to help or what are their policies around that? Make sure that you're asking those questions. And lastly, the last question that you are going to want to ask or touch on when you are consulting with a venue is do they have certain mandated vendors that you are required to use or are you allowed to have creative freedom with your wedding? Now, the reason that I use the term creative freedom is because if they have a specific cake person, florist, uh, even especially rental companies that they mandate that you use, what happens when that rental company doesn't have chairs that you like? you are forced to compromise the design that you really anticipated and wanted for your day. Now I am going to go into all of the whys behind why this happens on a later episode. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a great one. But make sure that you are investigating, asking the right questions. You guys, you want to make sure that you are educated when you are looking for your ideal venue or location. Again, the difference between the two is real venues are zoned as venues. They're classified as venues. Uh, and then locations are things like uh, like Airbnb properties, um, private residences, um, not upheld to actual venue laws, so to speak. So there is a difference between the two. There are definite pros and cons between the two, which we'll actually dive into on another episode as well. But for now, here's all the questions that you need to ask and the preparations that you need to make when touring venues so you can be educated and make the right decisions for you. Thank you guys so much. I had fun today. Till next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Weddings Unveiled. In our show notes, you'll find a link to our website where you can download worksheets, tips, and so much more. And of course, please rate and review us. If you have questions or ideas for an episode, please email us at info at Please join us next time as we uncover more truths inside the wedding industry. And as always, we're here for you.